Ethiopian sauce, uh, because I do have one of those, has triggered an idea for my next episode on the Ethiopians. I run all sorts of different mini-series in this podcast, and the Ethiopians is the title of one of those mini-series. Another one is coronavirus, another one's quantum physics, another, you know, there's all sorts of different things, whatever comes into my head. But the Ethiopians is the title of one of my mini-series. And my Ethiopian source just gave me an idea for a quickie, a quick episode. Uh, And I'll give it a title of something like, Hadrian would have made a great Ethiopian emperor. (laughs) And I'm talking about the Roman emperor, Hadrian. Uh, Hadrian, you know Hadrian. Hadrian's wall in between, well, England and Scotland. Um, Hadrian, the, the, uh, may his bones turn to dust. Yeah. Ah, the Jews say that of Hadrian. They hate him. He was the original Hitler. Yeah. But this is not the connection to the Ethiopians. In fact, the Ethiopians are Jewish, if, if they're anything. Um, now, um, uh, Hadrian, you know, Hadrian was one of the great Roman emperors and we remember him fondly these days as one of the good emperors. He's one of the... There were about five good emperors in a row, ah, but he was a Hitler at the same time, yeah, which, which begs the question, will Hitler uh, be remembered fondly a thousand years, two thousand years from now, you know? Uh, maybe, you know? You might think that's impossible, but... <laughs> Back in Hadrian's time, if you were in Jerusalem while he was, uh, dest- you know, destroying Jerusalem and destroying the temple and scattering the Jews to the four winds, never to come back, well, not for 2,000 years, um, and he dismantled Jerusalem brick by brick and killed everyone he could find. Jewish people. Yeah, he, he was after the Jews. He was after the Zionists, you know. Um, if you were around at that point in time and were witness to the destruction of Jerusalem and the scattering of the Jews to the four winds, you know, many of them up into Germanic lands outside the Roman Empire, um, where Hitler was going to find them one day and try and slaughter them all over again, pick up where Hadrian left off, um, you might think that's impossible. He's never going to be remembered fondly. But, you know, Google him. A lot of people, ah, they think what well, he's one of the good emperors. Well, not the Jews. They don't. And so the Ethiopians probably don't either because a lot of Ethiopians are fairly Jewish. Deep down. I know that Ethiopia is a Christian country and, you know, uh, rather a Muslim country too um, these days. But, you know, essentially a Christian country. But um, the Christianity that the Ethiopians uh, have is built on a foundation of Judaism. Yeah, the Ethiopians are different than um, a lot of places, you know, further down in Africa proper, in as much as they don't have a foundation that is Judaic. Um, um, They were converted to Christianity in the last few hundred years. Yeah. But um, 
when Christianity, when Christianity sort of opened, you know, inverted commas, came to Ethiopia, it was already familiar to, familiar to the Ethiopians because Jesus was, you know, Jesus' teachings were built on a Jewish foundation and Ethiopia itself was built on a Jewish foundation. Probably the only overlay that the, the new Christians were bringing to Ethiopia was a kind of Greco-Roman overlay, you know, um, which I bet the Ethiopians play down anyway. I bet you they uh, concentrate more on the Jewish accents of Christianity um, more than, you know, like we in the West. We're heavily into um, interpreting the Bible for its Greco-Roman aspects. Uh, whereas, you know, I, I have no idea whether this, true or, this is true or not, but um, if you got into uh, Jewish, uh, sorry, Ethiopian forms of Christianity, I bet it leans more to the Jewish side you know, the Jewish aspects of the Bible. Um, but we Westerners are very, we very much, um, uh, we, we look, in our heritage, we look back to Greece and Rome um, as our sort of cultural uh, sort of um, foundation, you know, and uh, we would accentuate uh, that aspect of the Bible. But look, putting all that aside, um, Hadrian. Hadrian would have made a good Roman emperor. Sorry, he made, a, he made a good Roman emperor. He made a very bad enemy of the Jews. Um, but Hadrian would have made a good Ethiopian emperor, I think, and I'll explain that in a minute. Um, well, I'll explain it now. He was a roaming Roman. He roamed around. Rome, um, when he was the emperor, went wherever he went. He spent his, most of his emperorship. He didn't call himself an emperor. You know, the word emperor, in a Roman sense, is different than the word emperor as, is, as it is used by others. Um, in, in a place like Ethiopia, for example, the word emperor means king of kings, you know. Um, but the uh, Roman emperor was not a king of kings. Um, the emperor, uh, the word emperor comes from the word imperium, which is a Roman word, and it just means you have the power of life over, uh, power over life and death, you know, imperium. Um, and an emperor, he, he, uh, Hadrian would not, have even, would not have even called himself an emperor, emperor. He was the first man in Rome. It's just in retrospect we... Now we call him an emperor, but it would be wrong, I think, to confuse a Roman emperor with any other sort of emperor. Like a, an emperor in Ethiopia is a king of kings, um, but a Roman emperor is just the first man in Rome amongst equals, you know. It's a very different thing. It's not, they didn't have a divine right monarchy or anything like that. Um, but anyway, Hadrian, but putting that aside as well, I'm going to get this, you know, I'm going to get to the similarity. You know, why Hadrian would have made a good Roman emperor, in my opinion? Uh, because he moved around. Um, the capital of Rome, it's arguably, arguably, even though the capital of Rome was, there was always, pretty much, yeah, there was. There was always a physical capital of Rome, and sometimes that was Rome. Early on, it was in Rome. Then later, it was in Milan. Yeah, and... 
whatever the other, the other place is that they were centred at for a while. Um, during the crisis of the third century, the name of the city ex- escapes me, but it's got a swamp all around it. Um, you know, well fortified by the swamp. Uh, not Venice. Uh, did they stay at Venice for a while? It doesn't really matter, but capitals of empires, for example, can move around. And then the capital of of Rome moved to Constantinople eventually, and there it stayed for a thousand years. uh, The Emperor Constantine, you know, established a capital at um, at Constantinople, you know, and named after himself. Now, um, and and sometimes there were rival emperors, you know, there were three emperors at once, and you'd have three capitals, you know. But back to when Hadrian was in charge... When he was the, the emperor, he was Spanish, by the way. A Roman, the word Rome did not, you know, early on it, you had to be sort of Italian, or, you know, Roman actually. Um, but Rome became um, global, you know, global in the sense of the known world. And we had a little um, string of good emperors, as we called them, Trajan, Hadrian, and so on. And they, these days, are called the good emperors of Rome because they did well. Um, uh, but you know, for, for a Jew, for example, Hadrian was a shocking emperor because he smashed the Jews. But from a Roman perspective, he did a good thing uh, by smashing the Jews. You know, um, he scattered Israel to the four winds. He destroyed Israel. You know, and that's why we have the Palestinian-Israeli sort of problem these days. You know, because um, Hadrian sl- went in there, slaughtered all the Jewish people, and uh, you know, this is a good emperor. You know. Uh, who to we in the West seems to be a fairly good emperor in our sort of consciousness. Um, and um, he went in there and smashed the Jews and smashed, you know, scattered them to the four winds. Yeah. In, uh, mo- uh, uh, most of them fled right out of the Roman Empire and up into Germanic lands, for example, um, and settled there. And, um, you know, and that's where Hitler found them 2,000 years later and tried to slaughter them all over again. Uh, but, you know, Hadrian was the original Hitler. But he was a good emperor. Now, um, and he was a bad emperor. And Hitler one day, 2,000 years from now, might be, a, a, you know, a good chancellor. You know, remembered fondly by whatever civilization is in place at that time, depending on its values. Be that as it may. You know, that's not the connection. Uh, but um, Hadrian, the, the thing about Hadrian, he was famous for moving around his empire. And his empire was huge. In fact, this was Rome at its greatest extent. I think it got it stretched a little bit bigger at one point in time, maybe. Uh, but Hadrian is the one who said, listen, this is as big as we want to get. Um, and he drew a big line, you know, right around the empire. And it went all the way across to, you know, Hadrian's Wall in England, you know, down to Spain. He was Spanish, by the way. Trajan was too. Um, and then right across to, you know, basically a, a huge border that followed the, the uh, all the way from, you know, in between England and Scotland, um, not as far as Ireland, they didn't want to go there, wasn't worth it, uh, not as quite as far as Cornwall and Wales, but, you know, they had England, um, and, and Hadrian said, we could spread further, we could take... You know, and they could have. They could have taken Ireland, and they could have taken Scotland, and all that sort of stuff. You know, but they it wasn't worth it. Um, and um, 
and, and all the way along the Rhine River, you know, that was the border, and anything this side of the Rhine, and then anything this side of the Danube, roughly, you know, and all the way you know, up to the border of Persia, and then down, you know, all of Greece, you know, all of, Ju- you know, Judea, the fertile crescent, all of Egypt, you know, all of that, all of modern-day Tunisia, you know, what was a Carthage back then, um, all of that. Now, um, Hadrian spent his whole time roaming around that whole area, keeping an eye on his empire and getting to know it. And that was one of the reasons why he became a good emperor, because he got out amongst his empire. You know, he wasn't one of those ones that just sat in the capital and uh, people felt distant from him. He, un- you know, he had a sense of uh, what the needs of the different peoples in his lands were. I'll get to the Ethiopians in a minute because the, em- the Ethiopian emperors used to do this too, by the way. Now, um, so he moved around and, and I think this was a brilliant thing. Look, he liked it too, probably, or he wouldn't have done it. No, I think he had a sense of responsibility to get around, you know. Um, he wasn't, you know, like Nero, just sitting um, in Rome, um, engaging in, oh, well, I don't want to list all the things he used to get engaged in. Um, he was a freak. <laughs> yeah. He was debased, <laughs> debauched. Yeah. Um, but Hadrian, he was more virtuous. I got interrupted there by an incoming phone call, uh, but I always welcome those interruptions. The interruptions happen when someone rings on to, you know, rings me on the same device into which I'm creating an episode. Okay, now, uh, but I welcome those interruptions because they give me a chance to stop what I was saying and get on to what I want to say. And right now, that is this. Hadrian used to roam around Rome. Now, arguably, the capital of Rome and he himself were one and the same thing. So as he moved around, the capital of Rome moved around. Oh, look, you had your senators back in Rome and all that sort of stuff, and they were taking care of business there. But, you know, there were um, officials taking care of business everywhere else too, just administrative duties and all that sort of thing. But the point is the emperor was moving around the Roman Empire, always on the move, and I'm pretty sure he died on the road, died on the job. I'm pretty sure he never got back to Rome. Um, he was constantly on the move. Check it yourself. I'm pretty sure he went almost everywhere for his whole emperorship. He was in Egypt. He was in Jerusalem, you know, famously to smash it on one occasion. Um, uh, he was um, in England, I think. You know, Hadrian's Wall is there anyway. You know, either he went there and laid the first stone or he ordered it built regardless. Now, um, and he was in Gaul. He went everywhere at Spain. That's where it came from. So, you know, go home, have a look. Now, um, now I read somewhere that the Ethiopian emperors used to do that. Um, and they didn't even have a, a physical capital. The capital of Ethiopia was wherever the emperor was. for, And I don't know what period that was in. I didn't check. You know, these are the things you just notice 
as you're just scanning things, you know. And I noticed there was a period, I don't know how long it went for, maybe it went for a thousand years for all I know, maybe it went for 500, maybe it went for 2,000 years, got no idea, it doesn't matter. The point is there was a period in Ethiopia where you can't um, get your maps app out on your phone and say where the capital of Ethiopia was because the capital of Ethiopia was wherever the Ethiopian emperor was or you know or the chief warlord as the case may be I'm not sure sometimes it's a bit messy as to who the emperor is at certain times in Ethiopian history I'm sure Uh, there were rival emperors all fighting each other you know then and that looks a lot like rival warlords uh, fighting too, you know, to be top dog, um, you know, and who is the emperor? Well, you know, maybe they, if they've got three rival emperors at any one point in time in Ethiopia, that'd be pretty similar to, you know, the cases where you have three rival emperors in Rome too, because that happened in Rome, happens in most empires, um, and you kind of pick one, in, you kind of pick one. Uh, you know, you reverse engineer and say, ah, oh, we will deem that one to be the legitimate one, you know. Um, and there may no, be no basis for that. You know, you might say, oh, that was the one that, you know, the bishop recognised, you know. But what do you do with um, um, emperors of Ethiopia before Christianity even came? Um, there, were no, there was no bishop then, you know, uh, to give legitimacy, you know. Um, but the point is, Ethiopian emperors used to roam about their realms, roaming the realms, just like the Roman emperor used. This Roman emperor, Hadrian, used to roam, Rome, roam the Rome, you know, and um, roam about Rome. And Hadrian, um, I think he kind of accidentally um, hit upon a model that the Ethiopians actually institutionalised, from what I've read. Um, they thought it was a good idea, the Ethiopians, to do this. And I'm inclined to think it was too. Even today, in modern society, if you're a manager of a large organisation and you move around that organisation and you don't have any fixed office, to a certain extent you're being a Hadrian. To a certain extent you're being an Ethiopian emperor. To a certain extent it's not a bad strategy. Yeah. Now, Rome kind of did have a home base capital physically, you know. But as far as where the inspiration the orders were coming from well that was on the road so arguably the capital of Rome was moving around with Hadrian for all of that time in one sense much like in certain periods in Ethiopia I've read tell me I'm wrong if I am um, the um, the capital of Ethiopia was wherever the emperor, emperor was and he had a camp you know, and it probably would have been an elaborate camp, you know, wonderful tents or whatever they had, um, and, it, and it would have moved slowly, you know. It would have been an elaborate, you know, like... Um, and, um, and it would be centred in one place and then it would move to somewhere else and, you know, maybe it would sit and stay in a certain spot for a month, for all I know, and then move on to another city or town or village or whatever. Or maybe, you know... Uh, it would go onto a high mountain top or something and situate itself there for a while while the emperor, uh, you know, handed out orders from there. Uh, but there was no sort of centre. Yeah, at the moment, the centre of Ethiopia is Addis Ababa. And as I understand it, um, at other periods in time... Excuse me, just a minute. <coughs> Some people would edit that out, but I don't respect you enough for that. Uh, now... 
at other times, for a long time, it was centred at Aksum, uh, a town in Ethiopia that is now a town in Ethiopia, and at other times in a place called Gondar, and I'm sure there's another 10 places where the physical Ethiopian capital has been in history. And sometimes there's, there's probably been three rivals, uh, physical locations at one time. doesn't matter. Uh, but the point is... Um, the Ethiopian Empire, the capital of the Ethiopian Empire, used to move around. It was um, it was mobile. It was a mobile capital, and it went where the emperor went. Okay. Um, now, you know, let's say, let's just say for fun, that was for a period of five hundred years. I have no idea. It doesn't matter whether it was for ten years, a hundred years, or a thousand years. Um, to a certain extent, for modern Ethiopia, uh, where was the capital? You know, was it in modern, you know, was the capital of Ethiopia in modern Tigray in those ancient times? Was it in modern Amhara region, you know? Was it in even a little bit further south, you know, into what today is Oromo lands? You know, don't worry about if Oromo people were there at the same time. Yeah, at that time, doesn't matter. I don't want to get into all that detail. Well, you know, sometimes was it outside the modern borders of Ethiopia? You know, more across in the direction of you know Khartoum. You know, did the emperor of Ethiopia settle in Khartoum for a period in time? I have no idea. You know, but um, you know, was that the capital of Ethiopia, Khartoum, for a period of time? Even if it was for a couple of weeks, if the emperor happened to be there, there was one moment in history I know where the Ethiopians went across to Khartoum and completely did a Hadrian on it. Absolutely levelled the joint, down to its stumps, which is what Hadrian did to Jerusalem. And the Ethiopians did that to, you know, what we call the Sudanese at one stage, you know. The Kushite people, I believe, you know. Uh, the Kush kingdom uh, absolutely smashed it, smashed it. You know? um, uh, so, where is the capital of Ethiopia in this sort of period? Well, it's wherever it was, you know. And this is a kind of nice thing in a way for the modern Ethiopian, um, because the modern Ethiopian can say, we all, you know, a given emperor back then, he wasn't Tigrayan or Amharan or even Oromo, if you want to stretch it, or, you know, Somali. or the, uh, There's a lot of different regions in Ethiopia, and I don't even know them all. But the emperor was all of those things on different days and different weeks and, and in different months of the year. Sometimes he was an Amharan, sometimes he, you know, uh, what the definition of Amharan these days means. Um, I, I, for, my, for my fun, I take it to mean anyone who is kind of um, similar to Tigrayans, but he's not Tigrayan. You know, um, but by definition, um, that means that I can refer to people 500 years ago as Amharans via my definition today of what Amhara, the word Amhara, you know. So there were Amharans back in, you know, the 15th century um, it, via that definition because you can actually set definitions. No one can stop you doing that. And, um, and um, they were Amharans, non-Tigrayans. How's that sound? As another word for Amharans. 
So there were Tigrayans and non-Tigrayans, if you like. You know, just like we have Christians and non-Christians. Jews and Gentiles, you know, you can make words to mean these things, even if those words didn't exist back in those times. It doesn't matter if those words existed back in those times. We know what we mean. They're descriptive words. You know, the word duck didn't uh, exist at one stage in history, but you still had ducks. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, so what I'm talking about is... um, you know, when people look back and, you know, there might have been 50 Ethiopian, uh, there might have been 50 emperors in a row. And, you know, everyone can lay claim to that emperor because he moved around. And as he moved around, gee, it'd be hard to pinpoint where he was born, you know, when all the records are lost. See, now these Ethiopian emperors, they're moving around a lot. Um, they're mobile, um, you know. And if all records are lost as to where they happen to be born, yeah, because they could be half on the move, they could be halfway through, you know, Amharan lands, and one of them could die, and another emperor might get appointed on the spot, who, you know, who may be his favourite general or something, and that guy could just as easily be an Amharan as a Tigrayan. Um, the, the thing is, um, during these periods in time, when you do have roving capitals, um, you, it, it gives you a chance to detach the emperor from a single physical location or region. Yeah, and he becomes almost a citizen of the global Ethiopia. And like, like we have citizens of the world these days, there are some people who really aren't from any nation in the world. They're, they're global citizens. You know, they move around so much that you lose track of who, where they come from. Um, and even sometimes they don't know where they came from, you know. They're a kind of mixture. They're, you know, they're, they're often very, very rich, like an Ethiopian emperor would be. Um, you know, like a Hadrian himself, you know, he was a Roman emperor. He was steeped in Roman tradition and all that sort of stuff, but he wasn't even from Rome. Didn't have a piece of Roman blood in his body. Yeah, he was from Spain, which back then was right at the edge of the empire. It was right at the edge of the known world. He was from as far away from Rome as you could get. But he was the Roman emperor. And yet, he hardly ever, in his whole life, he hardly even saw Rome. Well, especially since he became emperor. Um, And it came to pass that there did end up Roman emperors that never did see Rome, ever. Never went to Rome. Uh, I think there was a thousand years of Roman emperors... Uh, who, you know, who ascended to Constantinople, and I reckon most of them never even saw Rome, the city, you know, so... And when you go back, you know, you've got to put away this idea. You know, if you're an Italian right now, and you say, oh, the Roman emperors, you know, they are proof that we Italians are the masters of, you know, DNA. <laughs> but, you know, after what? Um, Augustus and Caligula and... Uh, Tiberius was it and a few of those and Nero and a few of those freaks um, Roman emperors were rarely Italian at all from that moment on um, yeah, and even ended up with a couple of yeah anyway all sorts of different nationalities <coughs> a lot of them came from you know north of Greece and all that sort of stuff Okay, so that's that. And, um, you know, and, and in the same way, after a long period of time, a long line of emperors, um, you know, Rome, <laughs> they were no longer Italian, you know. They were wherever they came from. 
the Roman emperors. And I, I'm just, and, and for a time at least, Ethiopian emperors were like that and moved around too. And you can't pinpoint them to a certain physical location as far as I can see. And why even try? Let them belong to everybody. Yeah. They themselves clearly were roaming around because they wanted to belong to everybody. They were roaming around their realms because they were, you know, rather uniting forces. Um, and they probably wanted to unite the, their realms, the peoples of their realms, you know, for personal reasons of power and so on. But also, you know, no doubt often for noble reasons and religious reasons and all sorts of things. But the point is, they would not have said, we are primarily, you know, Gondar. Or, you know, we do not, you know, you, you can imagine, a, you know, people these days, if you're from a certain town in Ethiopia, um, let's say, you know, Addis Ababa or um, Axum, Axum is a better one, um, and saying Roman, um, sorry, Ethiopian emperors, you know, they saw Axum as their, the, the centre of what we call Ethiopia. You know, but if you got inside their heads, uh, they might say, well, no. You know, in fact, I, I actually only got around to Axum for two months in my whole career as an emperor, actually, and I've got no Axum blood, Axumite blood. Um, my blood comes from a bit further south and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, you know, we haven't got DNA testing back here in 750 AD or 250 BC. You know, we don't have DNA testing. And, um, and actually, I know who my mum was, but I've hidden that because I want everyone to think that I'm from this other mob, um, you know, because that will improve my legitimacy. Uh, when Roman, or well, any emperor, when Ethiopian emperors came to the throne, they often started to forge where they came from very quickly. And I think every most world leaders did that in history. They started to lionise um, their backgrounds. You know, Tedros, for example, um, who's my favourite Ethiopian emperor, um, he made no mention that he was part of us, the Solomon, Solomonic, Solomonic dynasty whatsoever for most of his life. You know, but then suddenly there came a moment in time when he was sort of, he was the warlord that was winning and he said, you know what, I'm the emperor. You know, he just sort of declared it and then kind of a couple of years later he said, oh, by the way, I'm descended from Solomon as well. Oh, you didn't say that before. Yeah, I know, but I didn't know I was going to become so powerful. So I, just, I, I was, I just didn't tell everybody. Yeah. And, yeah, I'd say 98% of all Ethiopian emperors in history kind of laid their claims as to their heritage and their lineage and all that sort of stuff, um, at least certain aspects of it, retrospectively, as did Roman emperors. Yeah. But there, there, there were strong lineages. There were whole periods where there would have been strong linea lineal. Um, yeah. But do you know, you can't get a lineage going for more than about three generations. Never happens, ever. Well, once or twice, you know. Um, but in all of Ethiopia's long history, uh, you wouldn't get a father and son thing going for more than a couple of hundred years at max, you know. Um, a lineage would get weak or die. You always get a munted son in there some way. You know, you get a great Ethiopian emperor, then you get his son, he's pretty good too, then a grandson who's absolutely stupid. Yeah, and suddenly, you know, that the, the kid is um, killed quietly in the night. And, um, and then a favourite general becomes emperor. And 
he marries a sister of, you know, that munted kid, and the sister's actually really amazing, uh, but she can't be emperor, and, um, and she becomes empress, you know, and, and then this great general, he says, I'm part of the Solomonic distance, I'm, you know, my lineage goes back to Solomon. Yeah, no, you know, um, and all that sort of stuff, you know, and they have a baby, but most of the time be made up. You know, you just got to connect yourself to the lineage, sort of, and often that that connection would be very vague. But the point is, in the end, after three thousand years has gone by, you can construct a Wikipedia page which says the emperors of Ethiopia, and it looks nice and neat. Uh, and you can do that with the Roman emperors too. But but if you went back in those times, they're anything but neat. God knows how messy it was thousands of years ago but I know that even before Tedros's time because he's really the only one I've studied that um you know in the what late 1700s early 1800s um as to who the Ethiopian emperor even was uh is a mess it, uh, it, this was the age of princes you know there was kind of all these princes vying for power by princes I mean warlords you know, and they were they were crisscrossing Ethiopia as bands of armies, armies going this way and that way, no fixed capital, all this sort of business. Everyone's slaughtering each other. I'm the emperor. No, I'm the emperor now because I just killed you. You know, and this is not a you know this is not a um, uh, this is nothing like you know what we're used to. You know, the queen in Buckingham Palace. You know, and she took over from her father, who was in Buckingham Palace as well. You know, wasn't that settled? Um, and even English kings and queens weren't that settled for a long period of time too. In fact, the, you know, for a while there, Cromwell's time, we didn't have a king or a queen of England and Parliament was running the show and then, you know, there was a restoration um, and all that sort of stuff. In real history, it gets extremely messy, you know, but the only time you can make it neat is, is if there's an absence of records. Now, Rome had very good records, you know, except, you know... Uh, no, even as Rome started to crumble, the Western Roman Emperor Empire, it, the records even there got sketchy. You know, the Romans were famous for their record keeping. Yeah, um, you could you can get um, the exercise regime written down of um, Cicero, you know, who was a famous Roman senator, and his diet and all that sort of stuff, and his daily diary. Yeah, Julius Caesar himself wrote an autobiography and this is 2,000 years ago you know but in other countries you know you've got nothing you don't even know the names of anybody except maybe one person in the whole empire um, and that's true of most places you know somewhere like Ethiopia look um, in the time of Julius Caesar we know heaps of people's names and we've got their original writings you know but in, a, in any other land in the world we've just got these sketchy rumours as to who even existed at that period of time, you know. Um, um, you know, back in ancient Greece, for example, 2,300 years ago, um, I forget how many people we know, but we know the actual names of, I don't know how many people, 20,000 people who lived in Athens at the time? I read that somewhere. 20,000 people, and we know their names. You know, but in a place like Australia or England or Ethiopia or whatever, I'm not sure that we even know one name. And that one name we do know is just a rumour. 
you know so you get these different periods in time where you know but the the the, the upside of not knowing anything about a certain period you know and whether the emperors in that period were Tigrayan or bloody Adamaran or anything else the advantage of that is you can just say it so you know with the Romans you can't lie in the time of Julius Caesar because there's too many records and you know what was going on you know um uh, yeah, you can't say that. You know, you can't claim that Nero was a, was an amazing leader because you know he was a freak. Whereas the Ethiopians get to, in that same period, get to say that they had noble emperors at that period in time. But some of them would have been freaks too, Nero style, no doubt. You know, that's humans. You get your freaks. It's a little bit like your own genealogy, for example. You know, I've got a... Now, you know, this is just for fun. It's nothing to do with me. This whole podcast has nothing to do with me. But, you know, I've got all... I know all all the names of all my ancestors, but I don't know what they look like, you know, because some of them go back many hundreds of years. But, you know, in Australia, we have amazing record-keeping because we were once a convict colony. So we've got incredible records. Um, Because, you know, from day one, when the ships first came here... Um, all sorts of details about all the people that came here were written down. So we, we can trace ourselves way back to the 1700s on all sides. If you're an Australian whose ancestors came here, um, you know, early on in the 1700s and the 1800s, right. Um, now, um, you know, and I see names of my ancestors, you know, and one my, I know one that's called Bridget Kelly, you know, Bridget Kelly. And um, it doesn't matter who she is. Um, and, you know, and in my imagination, I think, oh, wow. You know, maybe like on the front cover of a Mills and Boone novel, she would have been a strong woman with flaming red hair, standing on, you know, the side of a cliff, looking out to the ocean from Ireland, thinking, um, it is to Australia that I'll go, you know. And this noble and strong and beautiful woman did come to Australia, and that's why I'm noble and beautiful and strong myself. You know, but if you were to travel back in time and actually met the woman, she was probably a scrubber, a hag, holding up a bar, you know, up in rural Victoria with half her teeth missing, uh, personally kicking out all the the ferals at closing time. Get out, you bastards! Yeah, come on, time's up. I told you, get out now. Boot. Yeah, she's probably a, she's probably one of those. Yeah, that's quite possible. Now, when you don't know the look of an ancient emperor that you have in your heritage, yeah, you know, all you've got is his name, and it might be a noble name. Bridget Kelly is a, a nice, you know, that's got a nice ring to it. Uh, you know, he might have a noble name, some emperor in your past, in your heritage, and um. And, you know, as you sit there and in your imagination, you imagine that person, you say, I just imagine him as a Tigrayan, you know, or I imagine him as an Amharan. You can do that, believe it or not, you know, even though there wasn't a term called Amhara back then, apparently. Um, Well, there was, because there were Amharan-speaking people. So there were Amharans because there were Amharan-speaking peoples. So you can, you know, there were Amharans. If there are Amharan-speaking people, there are Amharans, because that's short for Amharan-speaking it doesn't have to be politically identified. It can be language identified. You know, identity can be along language lines just as easily as anything else. Right. And you can sit there and, wow, 
you know, Menelik the First. I'm picturing him as the noble son of what's her name? Sheba, you know, Queen of Sheba, with the noble son, and he's sitting on his throne with a lion on either side. That's how I'm picturing him. Well, he might have been a damned feral. You don't know. Yeah, and Queen, the Queen of Sheba. You know, she may have been a bit of a scrubber herself. Just like my ancestor, Bridget Kelly. She may have been a bit of a scrubber. Um, you don't know that she wasn't. You know, her story could have easily been exaggerated. I doubt that she was as much a scrubber as my Bridget Kelly. But then again, it's much more likely that my Bridget Kelly even existed. You know, so, you know, what's the point of arguing that no way was Queen, the Queen of Sheba a scrubber? You know, she was noble-looking, you know. Oh, hang on, we've got ahead of ourselves there. Did she even exist? You know, you can imagine people to be a certain way, and maybe they weren't. Um, and maybe they didn't even exist, you know, but it doesn't matter. Let's say she did exist, maybe she was a bit of a scrubber, and maybe her son, Menelik I, was intellectually disabled and, you know, regents were running the show. You don't know one way or another. You know, but, you, but when there is an absence of records, you can imagine the best. You know? and, and wouldn't you? And so should you, you know. And that's the way it goes. Um, but look, all in all, the central theme, you know, the thing that got this episode started was this idea that I think Hadrian would have made a good Ethiopian emperor because he would have moved around and his actual um, bloodlines wouldn't have mattered. He happened to be Spanish, you know, but he was a Roman emperor. But in the modern imagination, it doesn't matter that he had Spanish blood. The fact that the matter was he was the Roman emperor and he was a good one, unless you're a Jew, in which case he was a bad one. Um, and um, same goes for the Ethiopian emperors, I bet. Most of them, why are you even arguing what their blood was? You know, and which town they came from? There's no way you would know. And especially in this period, they were moving around. And even if you did have a physical capital for a long period of time, you know, you are claiming the all, all the um, ancient Aksumite emperors for your tribe, are you? Come on. You know, I told you about in the 1700s and 1800s where whole populations were moving left and right and getting slaughtered and all that sort of stuff, warlords roaming the town, roaming around Ethiopia. You know, there would have been mass population movements. What you need to do is get some DNA from 500 BC, you know, and if you, if you do, you'll be lucky to get one little piece of DNA and even that won't prove anything, to... Um, decide whether um, the modern, you know, ancient Tigrayans were even the same blood as the modern Tigrayans. Who knows if there wasn't a mass population movement out of Tigray down to Amhara and a whole lot of, you know, a whole mob came from some other area and moved into Tigray. You don't know that. Um, It could have happened. In fact, most likely it did happen. It's a long history, 3,000 years. It happened in every other land. Why not in Ethiopia? Why not? You know, in fact, if I was a betting man, I'd say it did happen probably about 50 times. You know, large-scale population movements, you know, and large-scale large invasions too where half the women were raped. Every nation, every land, every continent, that's happened. Okay, so, you know, you're claiming the ancient Aksumite. Look, all I'm saying is 
ancient populations used to move around a lot and even today in the modern world they do um, we have our disasters even in the modern world where populations move en masse you know and in Hadrian's time the Jews moved everywhere you know, and then you get, you know, and you ended up with Askenazi or whatever they're called, Jews in Europe, you know. And I think they're the ones that, you know, kind of got scattered by Hadrian 2,000 years ago, you know, and became a culture all of their, all, all their own, you know, and all this sort of stuff, you know. It's messy, the first thing. If you ever hear someone say that I have a neat idea that all the ancient Ethiopian um, emperors were um, Tigrayan, a long lineage of Tigrayan emperors and you know and the way that person is describing those emperors to you sounds neat you know it's not true because history is as messy as all get up if anyone ever presents to you a neat version of history and makes a sweeping generalization like you know there was 2,000 years of Tigrayan emperors in a row you know back when the documentation is missing haha luckily if anyone gives, presents you with a neat idea of what history looked like back then, you know, you know that it's not right. You know that it was a, a godforsaken mess. You know, because no empire, not even Rome, the great Rome, stayed neat and tidy ever for more than a couple of hundred years. Even Rome descended into absolute chaos frequently, frequently. Even in, you know, and it, it, it was one of the most stable empires in history for a long period of time. Well, it was, you know. Um, you know, the United States of America now, which is a, a sort of empire in a way, um, that's totally been neat and tidy, what, for 100 years? It's nothing. You know, since the Civil War, it's kind of neat and tidy since then, you know. And even <laughs> the American War of Independence was only a few hundred years, a couple hundred years, 250 years ago. There's nothing. You know, it'll probably all smash up within about 50 years from now anyway. You know, Rome was probably the pin-up boy for stability and it was chaotic, impossibly chaotic, but we know that because there's plenty of records on it. They kept records. Now, any other empire that you can, you know, if you think Axum was a neat arrangement um, in ancient times, that's sort of an ancient, an ancient Ethiopia, if you like, it would have been shockingly chaotic. It might have been neat and tidy for maybe two generations. And then there would have been a disaster. You know, this is the problem with royal, sort of divine rule, royal kind of arrangements, those sorts of political systems, that you're not going to get two sens three sensible emperors in a row. You're going to get one great one, then you're going to get a pretty shit one. Then you're going to get... A, you go, the next one's going to be intellectually disabled. Not having a go at intellectually disabled people whatsoever. I work with intellectually disabled people, but I don't want them to be emperor of my country. That's all I'm saying. You know, I love Down syndrome people, um, some of the happiest people I've ever met. Great. You know, I like them better than a lot of, you know, geniuses I know. Um, but I don't want them running the country, you know, and so on and so forth, you know. It goes like that. All right, that'll do. End of episode. But in summary, you know, Hadrian would have made a really good Ethiopian emperor, I think. <laughs>